I'm at the Cape Cod Symposium on Addictive Disorders. This is the 32nd annual CCSAD hosted by C4 Events. This is where I get my hands on the experts and the professionals in the field of addiction and mental health disorders. So you can have more help, more support, more connection to the information that is going to bring your family back from the brink of destruction, from these destructive habits, these destructive patterns, I'm Aaron Huey. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. You cannot expect a family member to change addictive, destructive behaviors, regardless of what they are, if the family is not willing to do their own work. I think this concept gets brought up on every single episode of Beyond Risk and Back. You cannot call a child the, the problem. Yet, it's, it's still so hard. As, as Sarah and I were talking off air, it, it's so hard. It's easy to say, hey, parents, you need to go to Al-Anon. But it's easier to get an addict to go to, to AA or NA than it is to get their family to go to Al-Anon. And to be blunt and perfectly honest, I have no idea why that is. So, Sarah, I know exactly why that is. Sarah, Sarah's going to tell <laughs> yeah. us. And and Sarah, I want to say your last night, Bueno. Bueno, yes. Bueno. Thank you. What does that mean? Where is that from? It's Polish, actually. Okay. And it was B U J N O apparently when they came in, but that's how it's pronounced. Is okay. Bueno. Bueno. There's a whole thing with it, but okay. Yeah. All right. So Sarah Bueno, uh, first of all, um, tell me. What happened to you in your mm -hmm. childhood that has made <laughs> you want to be out here saving lives on the proverbial 12th step and compensate for what you didn't get? And, right. I, and I want you to know, I asked that of potential yeah. employees. I want to know why you're here. That's such a, oh my, I'm going to use that for an interview question. <laughs> Please do. And you know, I went to grad school to become a therapist because I wasn't exactly sure what okay. happened in my childhood. And it really wasn't until I got into Al-Anon that I realized how my grandparents' addiction affected my parents than how it affected me. And so there was always this question for me of like, can I cuss on here? Yeah, please. My childhood was fucked up. And I was saying things are fucked up, but everyone else is saying everything's fine. And I'm just like, I was chronically suicidal and I, I struggled until I left home. And then when I got to grad school, I was like, I want to do addiction. And I didn't even really know why. And then once I got through school and started work, I was like, these are my people. And I didn't, I still didn't understand why they weren't my people. And then, you know, information gets revealed later. There is, there is some closer addiction in the family than I was aware of. And um, it's so, you know, I, I, I don't like to compare suffering because I don't think that that's really helpful. But at the same time, when you can point to abuse, you know, it's, it's, it's concrete. It's, it's, maybe or maybe not finite, but it's it's something you can point to, you can look at and say, that happened to me. When it's covert and when it's shame-based, where is it? Like, right. there's nothing that you can hold on to. Where does it live, right? Where does it live? And this is just what happens in families with alcoholism. It doesn't matter how far back in the lineage it goes. And Al-Anon is really what taught me that because I continue to hear my story over and over again 
when I walk in those rooms. And we rarely talk about alcohol anymore. We're talking about perfectionism, talking about wanting to control. Like I'm really right now working on my judgment of other people not doing their work. Like my wow. divine purpose is I want to shake people to, to wake up and like do your shit. Yeah. Because yeah, like I, I can't point to somebody else and say, do your shit if I'm not doing mine. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's, let's go to, to bare basics for families who have heard the word Al-Anon mm -hmm. and now they're being told by some, uh, you know, person in a treatment center, you need to, mm -hmm. you and your spouse you need to go to Al-Anon mm -hmm. and you don't even know what it is. You're just right. going to assume that there's going to be a bunch of crazy people in the room. I don't know. I don't know what people I did. Assume. I assumed that. Okay. So, yeah. so assuming that, what is it? What is Al-Anon? It is a 12 step program, just like AA, NA, CAHA, all of those things. But the focus is we, we have the same, we follow the same 12 steps essentially that we're powerless over alcohol. Um, but in terms of how it affects our loved ones, and we realize that our fixed manage control tendency, that's our disease. I don't truly like to use the word disease because I like to give reverence to people with actual like substance use issues. Sure. But our dysfunction is that if I can, if I can control everything, if I can tell you what to do, if I can make sure that I'm controlling everything, then, uh, then everything will be okay. But we know with the disease that that's not true. Right. And so Al-Anon really teaches us that whenever we get that impulse to fix somebody else, that means we're not looking inward and we really need to stop and take stock of what's going on inside. It's amazing. While you were saying that, I suddenly had an image of finding out that a family member has cancer. So you keep yes. the house really clean, yes. you get the meals out on time, and you keep the lawn mowed in hopes that somehow yeah. that's going to make the cancer go away. Right. right? And, that's, and it doesn't. And that's control. And you really, right. you're really, you're cleaning the house, fixing meals, and mowing the lawn to, to regulate your own nervous right. system, and you're not helping anybody else. And to take that even further, in, in a sick alcoholic family system, you know, people will say, oh, well, I'm just, I'm just being kind. I'm just taking care of this person, but it's compulsive caregiving. That's what it turns into. And it turns into this, you wow. know, I'm, I've had situations where, you know, I've, I've done house calls in the middle of the night, you know, to loved ones. And that, that, that doesn't help them. It's not going to help them get better. And it certainly doesn't help me. And if I'm spending all of my time worrying and trying to figure out how I can manipulate this person into doing what I want, that it's wasted energy where I could be focusing on my connection with my higher power. And I found that even, even though the closest loved one in my life, I actually do a really good job of holding boundaries. Um, it's, it's, and since I got into Al-Anon, I realized how pervasive addiction is in my life overall with other people, with, with work, with friends. And it's helped me change my behavior in ways before that I thought I was helping, but I was really just causing more damage. And so to look at that part, that was hard. Yeah. Realize I'm, I'm just as fucked up. It just looks different. Okay, so so for parents who think that their kids might need to go to a meeting and then they hear that they should go to an Al-Anon meeting, you've mm -hmm. said that you follow the same format. They may know, not know anything mm -hmm. about a format. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about how does a meeting go? What are you doing? Do you have to stand up and say, my name is Baba and I am an addict? No. All right, no. so they, what, what is this? And they specifically tell you in Al-Anon, you identify by first name only. So Because it's anonymous. Because it's anonymous, <laughs> right. And, and yeah, there are some places where they actually do say 
their name it's there's a whole nother thing there's like this other sect of alan that's not really alan it is there's a fringe <laughs> group um we're trying to get them shut down in chicago but um wow. so there's a preamble just like at an aa meeting and then we introduce ourselves we read the 12 steps we read the 12 traditions um at my home group we uh we have we do a short reading and then we have a speaker and then we just speak as the spirit moves us and uh, you don't have to say anything if you don't want to. If you don't want to read, you can pass. Um, and you just listen to people tell their story, really. And uh, I've yet to be at a meeting where I didn't hear the speaker or you know some somebody else uh, commenting on the speaker say something that completely resonated with my soul. And and then after the sharing, we there's a little closing reading that we do. We say the Serenity Prayer. Uh, we see the extended version of the serenity prayer, which I happen to like quite a bit. <laughs> and then we all hug and kiss and go home. It's, <laughs> that's it. It's pretty cool. So it, <laughs> it, it's a little more than a support group because you, 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 the, the whole, the whole conversation that we're having is the do your own work conversation. Right, right. So, so wanting to make sure, yes, you can go and listen to other speakers talk. You can drink the coffee and eat the free donuts or cookies, mm -hmm. whatever they're putting out. You can stand outside afterward and smoke cigarettes. But this is also, uh, while you're feeling supported, mm -hmm. while you're hearing things that resonate, mm -hmm. there's a level of work that you are starting to consider taking on. It, yeah, so what we say in Al-Anon is it's a gentle program, right? And the difference between what I've struggled with versus with people with substance addiction is my my fix manage and control might kill me eventually yours will kill you faster right so you have to get a sponsor you have to do all these things i tell my my substance abusing clients really there's there's no choice you have to do these things in al-anon we we try to be a little bit softer and let people come when they're ready there are people who come to meetings and never get a sponsor and it, you know i'm so fucking judgmental i just i really want everybody to do their work and I don't want to say that there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, but we're supposed to do the steps. You know, we're supposed to get a sponsor and, you know, I'm, I'm still on my fourth step. It's been a year that I've been working on it, which I know is not uncommon for well, people. Look at, look at the fourth step. Yeah. Right. That's not uncommon. That's a doozy. Right. You know, the fourth step is like when you get past this one mm -hmm. and, and you, you, you go just spilling your guts and that vulnerability, that transparency mm -hmm. and the lie stops and the secrets are shattered right. and dead. Right. And then you still feel love and support. It's mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, why did I wait so long? Yeah. And then it starts to pick up after that. But right. And in Alan on, we have blueprint for recovery for our fourth step. And it's, it's a workbook where it's a lot of it is asking more about your strengths because right. it's almost this inverted, right? Like people with addiction issues tend to need to knock down the ego. Those of us with right. the control issues need to bump up the ego. <laughs> it's, and it's not quite that black and white, but it's, it's a really lovely process. And yeah, I encourage everybody to do it. Parents, just go. Why are you not going? Seriously, like what gets in the way? That's what I want to talk to people yeah, about. So what gets in the way? Fear. Fears. Okay, let's talk about that. Right. So, so fear. You, somebody says, hey, you should go to an Al-Anon meeting because mm -hmm. your kid's struggling with addiction. Yeah. And the kid's in rehab. The kid's doing, you know, uh, uh, four therapy sessions, group sessions a day, mm -hmm. two therapy a week. Family comes in for therapy. But mom and dad or mom and mom, dad and dad won't go right. to Al-Anon. Right. What's, they're afraid of what? I think it's afraid of the truth. That's oh. what's, you know, I feel like our society is actually really sick aside from addiction. We're, you know, what, 
what I think is truly important and what science actually says is important for happiness right. is really connection and knowing self and and but we are focusing on success and money and all of these these tangible things that the American dream says that we should have and yet we are the most addicted, you know, over medicated, obese, anxious, suicidal like society ever. Right. There's this book called Selfie. Have you heard of this? No. Uh, William Storr is the author, and he is he's a journalist, and he the the book is essentially about perfectionism and how it's killing us. And he starts with the ancient Greek culture, which that was like the first culture that was really individualistic. Right. And he draws a line up to the present day and and how the suicide rate is essentially higher because of the individualistic, narcissistic success-driven culture. I think that people are afraid to turn away from that. And there's not a lot of models outside of the therapy world that are showing you that, right? Like, I only spend my time with therapists, so <laughs> I, I always forget what the real world is like. There's my friend. Um, I forget what the real world is like, but but when I hear, you know, clients who are in detox and they're like, yeah, my, you know, my parents won't go to Al-Anon, I, I have to be that person to make that connection for them because I always tell the client, like, you can't get your loved one to go to Al-Anon just like they couldn't have gotten you in treatment. Like, you had to be ready to ask for it. But I feel as the loved one of someone with suffers who suffers with addiction, that's my job to inspire people to go, and I do it by doing my own work. What are the other excuses besides fear? What else is coming up? Well, I mean, basically, they don't understand the disease. You know, it's just you. Bad choices. Which, and that's back to the individualistic culture, right? Right. If, if, it's, if it's your problem, then I'm not thinking about the collective. Um, huh. And, and you know, it, it's, it's probably most often comes down to fear or they just, they don't get it. They don't get that they're part of, of it. But, you know, addiction stems from trauma. Trauma doesn't <laughs> trauma trauma there's a lineage for trauma and we can experience trauma prenatally you know even if the let's say the environment is perfect and your parents really were able to attach to you in the most beautiful way there are other failures in the environment and when you don't get your needs met you internalize that as shame i am bad and then that is the the neurological structure that your brain is then built upon for life. Well, let's 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 also consider the fact that that every child who, who up to the age of high school and even in their first year of college right now um, have been born after 9/11. Their country's right. been at war. And and the collective anxiety yes. like in the last election, I don't know what people's politics are, but the collective anxiety of the country has gone the separatist nature of yes. what's taking the place. The divisiveness. The anger, the finger pointing, yes. the gaslighting. It's it's so, look, separation causes pain. This yes. is why abandonment trauma happens. This is, you know, yes. the, the, so, so, okay. So now, so now we got parents looking at themselves. And, and I, and I like to say that when we're doing these podcasts and I'm listening to the experts, I can hear the parents' voice in my head saying, yes. well, what about yeah. these types of things? Mm -hmm. So, so let's, let's get into some of the, the things we hear addicts before they start getting sober in the NA and AA rooms and parents are like, it sounds like a cult. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like what is it, <laughs> yeah. what is it about the, the what is cultish about Al-Anon as far as you're concerned? Well, I think spiritual language, if, if, if there is a threat, so many of us have been spiritually abused uh, and maybe we do or don't know it. Um, but that language I think is threatening. I think that's why Marianne Williamson is getting raked over the coals right now because people don't understand what it's like to think in a spiritual way. We're so black and white. 
Yeah. You know, and what I've learned in Al-Anon is, you know, my, I, I grew up Christian. My mother was extraordinarily, she was best friends with Jesus. And what I've learned is that, you know, my mother's Jesus doesn't have to be my higher power. You know, it can be anything. It can be, you know, and it can change. I don't even really know what it is, but I feel cared for by something bigger than myself. So spiritual language is a thing that people think it's very culty. You know, whenever people are, you know, reciting the same things over and over, I think we just decide that that's a cult. And it's it's not. We're not making ritual sacrifices, you know, at least not. I'm not. I like to think of myself as a witch. I do have my crystals and my tarot cards, but we're not sacrificing anyone, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Oh, we're looking at all the symbols. Yep. Um okay, so so another excuse we hear is that that's just a, something else I'm going to get addicted to. Uh well, I mean, I've heard people say that for See, I, I don't like the, to use the term addict. I'm trying to do person first language. Sure, no, so fair yeah, enough. so people who struggle with addiction, I hear that for them, and often that is true. Spiritual addiction is a thing. It's another way to disconnect from ourselves. Intellectualization and spiritualization kind of fall under that same disconnection category. Um, parents, I promise you won't get addicted to it. Like <laughs> you just won't. So that's dumb. Stop saying that. They're, they're <laughs> <laughs> there also there has to be something you know now now that we're talking about crystals and woo woo and tarot cards and Bring runes it. and all that thing is is that the 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 ceremonial nature yeah. uh, of the consistency of the mm -hmm. the the preamble mm -hmm. we read these steps we mm -hmm. we're you know we we start to learn what to expect and we forget that largely what's going on in our family is a conditions of our habituated behaviors right right including right. the person who's struggling with addiction mm -hmm. the the ritual of smoking a cigarette is as yes. addictive as the nicotine itself yes, absolutely and the the that can be used for good or evil yes Col everything can be used for good or evil of course of course and i found in those rooms that once and the reason why we do a version of the 12 steps that we created for our kids in the facility mm. Uh, is because we want them to have we want them to have a golden thread yes. that when they go into a meeting they're like oh I recognize this part yes. I feel comfortable, comfortable and at home and safe right all right and that might be when and so it, the fear and the unknown of mm -hmm. going to an Al-Anon meetings makes sense mm -hmm. because what they're comfortable and safe with mm -hmm. is is part of the destructive behavior that's tainting the family exactly exactly like why do we keep doing the same things over and over because there's comfort in that because there's fear in the unknown of healing what's on the other side of healing is terrifying i remember when i was uh just out of grad school and i had a really bad thing happen and i remember being angry that i knew better than to act out right i remember that moment and that was the shift in my in my spiritual and emotional growth when I was willing to watch my behavior and say, mm, I actually do have different tools now. I was pissed about it. Right. <laughs> I just posted a, a picture on my Facebook page uh, the other day of a Buddhist monk walking across the street flipping the bird. Yeah. And, you know, there's a story in the Bible where uh, the Christ actually uh, walked into a temple and started flipping tables oh, yeah. and chasing Literally people with tables. a whip. Jesus was the first table flipper. He was angry. Yeah. And, and we get angry. And that's the thing that you just mentioned is that you're going to get angry, parents. Your kid yes. is going to come back from an incredibly 
successful treatment program mm-hmm. and screw up yeah. and you're going to get pissed. But if you haven't done your work, yeah. you will retreat to the same old screaming BS yep. that you did before everybody went to treatment. Yep. Exactly. So what are some of the skills that you have that you've gotten through the Al-Anon that, that you bring mm-hmm. into your daily work? Mm-hmm. I, I really stop and think about what I'm going to say before I say it rather than because uh, because my, my initial reaction is to I'm either going to lecture you to tell you what to do. That's why I'm a professor, because I can tell people what to do. They, they let me do that. Um, or I'm going to try to manipulate you to do what I think you're supposed to do. And now I've I've really stopped and thought about, OK, before like I can feel like physiologically feel the trigger to do that. And so I recognize that uh that habit and and stop right there and say, okay, what's my motivation here? And if my motivation is to try to change or control somebody else, then I just try to say, okay, what am I uncomfortable with? And often I'm uncomfortable just not getting my way or I'm afraid of losing somebody. I mean, really like the the whole Alan on thing, I want I want people to wake up. I want people to do their work because I don't want to be alone. <laughs> you know, and that's selfish, right? I mean, it's of course we all want this connection and that's yeah, okay, but it's self-motivated. And what what I think we forget is this caretaking and this desire to make everything okay is it's really inverted narcissism in a way, because it's all about me. But once I recognize that it's all about me, I can actually think, okay, what's 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 best for the relationship right now? And what's best for the relationship very often is not what you've been doing. That's one of the things you learn in the rooms. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why people don't want to go. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. It's so, so much harder for me to get someone to go to Al-Anon. And I'm going to send this to my one client who fucking refuses to go to (laughs) Al-Anon. Be like, listen to this friend. (laughs) So, okay. Talk about fixed managed control. And and then let's talk about, let's talk about uh, Sarah for a second. Like you, you said you're a professor of... Uh, addiction. Yeah. So okay. I, I work at Loyola University and Fordham University teaching master's level social workers about addiction. Okay. And, and you're, why are you here at the conference? Are you, you're one of the speakers I'm up speaking, on stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking about shame and self-compassion. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if, if one of our listeners says, okay, I, I like, I like Sarah's style. I want mm-hmm. connection to Sarah. How can someone reach out to you well, the easiest way to, if you like what I'm saying now, you'd love my podcast called Conversations with a Wounded Healer. You can find it on all the podcast apps. Um, so that's that's a, a good way to kind of hear more about what I do. Uh, I'm located in Chicago. My website is headhearttherapy.com. And yeah, I've, there's a practice of 10 of us who all specialize in addiction. And our tagline is unique therapy for unique people because I'm a weirdo and I like to be around my other weirdos. So I, I'd always gotten the feedback that, oh, you have a nose ring or you have colored hair. You'll understand me. <laughs> well, it's a start. Again, it's right? a desire for connection and exactly. the ending of separation. Exactly. If you feel safer with someone who looks like me, great. I don't have to wear my Birkenstocks and my broomstick skirt like every other social worker. You know? <laughs> Say your podcast again. Conversations with a Wounded Healer. And and you you can, are you are out on Spreaker, Spotify, yep. you on them all. All of them all. Conversations all. with a wounded healer. Yeah. Um, Buino. Yes. Sarah Buino. Thank you so much for being on thank Beyond you. Risk and Back. I'd love to have further conversations with you. As let's do it. Obviously, you're on a podcast. You give great voice. Let's, uh, thank you. Let's do some more work. Sounds good. Great. Sarah, thank you for being on Beyond Risk and Back. Parents, I'll talk to you soon.
This has been another episode of Beyond Risk and Back, coming to you from the 32nd Annual CCSAD. That's the Cape Cod Symposium on Addictive Disorders. Thank you to C4 Events for having me here. I also want to thank Dylan at Deepin Productions. Dylan does my sound engineering. He also does the music for Beyond Risk and Back. So if you need to get in touch with Dylan, go to deepinproductions at gmail.com. That's D-E-E-P-E-N productions at gmail.com. If you've seen anything about Beyond Risk and Back on social media, you can thank Your Cause Consulting. To get in touch with Your Cause Consulting to handle your marketing needs, go to info at yourcauseconsulting.com and send them an email. Thanks so much for listening, parents. Remember, take care of yourself first, your adult relationships second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. This has been Aaron Huey, and I will talk to you soon.